Welcome to the Abide Podcast, where our goal is helping others delight in Christ for the sake of becoming more like Christ with the hope of multiplying disciples of Christ. Hey friends, welcome back to the Abide Podcast. I'm kind of bummed because this is our last episode, but if I could have anyone join me for the last episode, it would be the guy that I have sitting with me right now. His name is Micah Yohi. He is one of our senior student leaders. So Micah, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Well, hey y'all, uh, my name is Micah Yohi. I'm a senior uh, marine fisheries biology double degree from um, Texas A&M at Galveston. Um, yeah, a little bit about me. I am from Houston, Texas. Um, I've been with Coastal College for about three and a half years now. Um, been leading a small group with them for two years, I think, and then also worship, uh, working with the worship team, um, and playing keyboard and stuff like that. But yeah, um, great to be here, Laura. Yeah, thanks for being here, Micah. I am really excited about our conversation today because we are wrapping up the Abide Bible Reading Method series that we've been in for the past four episodes. And so last week I had Maddie and Paige on, which you know that was a fun conversation with them. Um, We talked about the importance of dwelling on what you're reading and really letting the truths of the gospel sink into your heart. And so today we're going to talk about putting those truths into action in your own life. And the E of the abide method is exercise. And so it's all about practical application. So my first question for you is what is the point of applying what you're reading to your life? Yeah, I think um, it's super important, first of all, that the exercise um, step of the Abide Method is at the end. Um, I think the exercise um, step is really just an expression of your heart and the the truth that you've really been dwelling on and abiding through um, throughout your study of the Word. Um, but at the same time, um, we're also called to be working out our faith. Um, in James 2, it says, like, for the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also the faith apart from works is dead. Mm. Um, so in the same way, um, as much as, as important as it is to focus on those those head uh, knowledge and those heart affections for the Lord, um, it's equally important to work out those things throughout your faith and your everyday lives. Yeah. It reminds me of a quote from Francis Chan. He says, don't fall into the trap of studying the Bible without doing what it says. And it really goes back to what we've kind of been harping on for the past couple episodes of the goal of Bible reading is life transformation. And so what good is reading the Bible if you don't actually apply it to your life? And I think something also to point out with specifically the verse that you talked about, how faith without works is dead, um, that by no means indicates that works are required for, for salvation, but it does indicate that salvation is the driving factor of our works and our life and our actions. So read your Bibles and put it into action. (laughs) 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 Um, You can think about it as works are kind of the evidence of our faith. Um, The fruit that we bear, spiritual fruit that we bear in our lives are just evident of the spirits working in our heart and in our life. We see this all throughout the Bible. And there's so many verses that talk about applying the truths of scripture to your life. So, Micah, why don't you share a couple of those passages with us? Yeah, so I think the first verse that comes to mind is from Titus uh, 1, and it says, They profess to know God, but they deny him by their works. They are detestable, disobedient, unfit for any good work. 
I think this really points to our actions are really going to confirm or deny what we believe. Mm. Um, so if we go throughout our lives confessing and professing that we believe in in Christ and that we're Christians, but then we go and we we go and hang out on the weekends and go party, it's not like we're living in any different way than the worldly um, fleshly desires are telling mm. us to. And so I think that verse really just shows that as we go throughout our lives trying to make disciples, our message and the way we act in our real lives is going to hurt or help the things we're trying to clarify to the people around us. Mm. Yeah. It reminds me of a verse in James, um, kind of a passage, really. It's like three, four verses. It's in James chapter 1, uh, verses 22 through 25. And... It says, be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. It really gets at the heart that application and obedience to God's word is what people will see in your life. And that's going to affect the way that they view not only Christians, but Christ himself. We are a walking representation of Christ. I mean, that's why we're called Christians, you know? Um, And no good comes from someone who just attends church, reads the Bible, does all these Christian type things, but whose life looks no different from someone who doesn't do those things. If a non-Christian looks at your life and sees nothing different that you offer, they're not going to see the importance and the value of knowing Christ because your life looks no different than theirs. What more could you want, you know? But we have an obligation as Christians to represent Christ in a way that makes people who don't know him look at us and say, that person doesn't live like everyone else. That person has joy where there shouldn't be joy and peace where there shouldn't be peace. And I want to know what's different about them. I do want to mention that the responsibility of changing people's hearts and lives doesn't rest on our shoulders. That's only something that the Spirit of God can do. But the beautiful thing is that the way that God's designed this life is he wants to work through us in the lives of other people. We get to be a part of him building his kingdom. If we're not going to let God's word change the way we live, God can't really, well, I don't want to say that God can't use us because he can use us regardless, right? Regardless of our actions, God is still sovereign and he is still going to complete his work whether or not we get to be a part of it. But when we are a part of it, it's so much more fulfilling and beautiful. And we get to even have a deeper intimacy with God when we're allowing him to change not just our heart, but our actions through that. Yeah, Laura, uh, I think another thing to point out there is uh, found in Luke 6, um, that first like half of the chapter really talks about do's and don'ts, the beatitudes and what we should and should not do. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the most beautiful thing comes in the end of the first half of the chapter. Um, and it says in verse 35, but love your enemies, do what is good and lend, expecting nothing in return. Then your reward will be great and you will be children of the most high. And so I think this is so beautiful um, that he gives us all these commands, all these things that we should do. But in the end, there's reward that's 
so worth um, working toward, and that's becoming mm-hmm. um, part of the family of, of Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's it's so telling about the love of God that he he desires us so much to be part of his family that he would offer a place in his own household um, mm-hmm. sitting beside Jesus and send his own son to, to bring us there. Um, so mm-hmm. I think like all that to say, um, these things that we're doing on a day-to-day life aren't I- insignificant. Um, mm-hmm. These are things that God sees and God um, is glorified by as long as um, they're from a heart um, of love and of, of faith. Mm, yeah. I think it's also important to point out that we don't want to fall into legalism here either. And legalism is when you just do kind of the duties of the Christian faith and you um, obey what God says to do without an actual heart behind those actions, um, without doing them from a heart that loves God. Instead, you're just doing them because this is what I'm supposed to do as a Christian. Um, That's a legalistic attitude. And this is what This is what Jesus has to say about those with a legalistic attitude. So in Matthew chapter 23, he's talking to the scribes. And um, in verse 27 and 28, he says this, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, which outwardly appear beautiful, but within are full of dead people's bones and all uncleanliness. So you also outwardly appear righteous to others, but within you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. That's some strong language there. Like Jesus has a little bit of a tood when he says that. <laughs> I feel like I just imagine him. I imagine him with a little bit of an attitude. Um, but I mean, calling someone a whitewashed tomb, like that's intense imagery, you know? And he's saying that the scribes and Pharisees were the most super religious people of their time. They acted holier than people. They acted more righteous than people, but really their hearts were dead inside of them. They had no love for God. I mean, they're standing in front of Jesus and they don't even recognize him as the Messiah that they've been waiting for. And so that just shows that you can know what God's word says because the scribes and Pharisees had the Torah memorized. They had so much memorized and they read it every single probably every single day but definitely every single um sabbath in the synagogues um and they they didn't even recognize what their own laws were saying and so that shows that we can know what god's word says we can do all of the right things but without a heart for god those actions are dead and or though that faith is dead, kind of like what you were saying with the verse in James. Um, and it reminds me of Hosea 6, 6 that says um, that God desires mercy, not sacrifice. He does not want our obedience if it doesn't flow from a heart that loves him most. Yeah, absolutely. I think we also see this um, in chapter six of Luke as well. Um, in that story, um, the Pharisees... Um, are, are hurt and they're they get angry because um, Jesus decides to heal a crippled man um, on the Sabbath and I think that comes back to what you're saying Laura about them getting so caught up in the legalism um, and studying the word and following the word to a T mm. um, that they stop to actually look and to care about the people around them the mm. people who are hurting um, they are crippled um, and because of that um, they get they get furious and they they seek to persecute Jesus 
over him one forgiving their his the crippled man's sins mm. and um healing his hand um i think it's just so sad that they got so caught up um in their legalism that they couldn't just stop and see who was right in front of them mm. yeah it is crazy but unfortunately that happens so often people's hearts just are hardened they think that religion is just another kind of like avenue or another like section of their life instead of the whole their whole life belonging to Christ and their actions flowing from their heart so how do you put what you're learning in your quiet times and through your bible reading into practice yeah I think it goes back to I'm sure we've been harping on this all this throughout this whole series but um, ultimately the abide method has really helped me with this exercise step and so throughout my quiet time each morning, I try to spend a good chunk of my time um, beholding and interpreting the scriptures just to get that heart knowledge or that head knowledge and that heart affection mm. for Jesus. But ultimately, at the end of um, my quiet time, I like to sit down and take a couple things I'd like I took out of each verse and that I would like to apply to my life during that next coming week specifically. I mean, the way I've seen this recently is I was going and talking with a couple guys in my small group actually yesterday. And we were talking about um, what are a few things that we got throughout Luke 4 through 6. And one of the things I really took out of those passages was specifically from Jesus being tempted by mm-hmm. the devil in those passages. Um, and something I saw throughout that is that even Jesus, who's the creator of the world, needed the Holy Spirit to fight temptation. Mm-hmm. He created everything. He created the rocks he's being tempted with, the world that he's being tempted with. But ultimately, he still needed the help from the Holy Spirit um, Mm. to fight that. And so in the same way, I brought that in my own life and thought that the temptations that I face every day, I'm not strong enough by myself to face them. I have to ultimately just sit down and pray to the Lord, like, I need help with this. I can't fight this on my own. But you plus me, and we can be more than conquerors Mm. um, in this temptation. And that's something I've tried to do, and it's certainly helped, but I'm not an expert at it. I'm <laughs> definitely trying to get better at it each day, but the Abide Method has helped me so much with this process and just putting into practice those things that you behold and you dwell on throughout your morning quiet times. Mm. That reminds me of how when we are facing temptation, battling temptation, or trying to um, stop doing certain things that dishonor God in our lives, it's not that we just take away the sinfulness and just have the willpower not to do that anymore but you replace it with God you replace it with Christ and I think some of the most powerful ways to fight temptation and put in to practice um, the truth of the gospel is that in those moments of temptation is when you turn and run towards Christ and either whether that looks like you run to your Bible and you crack it open and you start reading or you call up your friend who you know is an accountability person for you and you say, hey, I'm being tempted right now. Like I really just need to um, like some encouragement or um, maybe you have like um, some go to verses or something that you can look at and read and remind yourself of the truth of the gospel um, is really, really helpful for that. I personally, um, whenever I put into practice what I'm, what I'm learning and what I'm reading, I usually take the verses that I'm dwelling on and put those into practice. When I'm going about my week and I come upon times where 
I have a short fuse or things are annoying me. I just get frustrated really easily. I try and think back on those verses and repeat them over and over and over again. Um, And really just honestly seeking out opportunities to exercise patience. Because believe it or not, there's a lot of areas in my life where that applies. (laughs) (laughs) So what advice would you give someone who is struggling to pull practical applications out of scripture? I think it's a great question. I think for the longest time as like a a young adult Christian, I would really only study the epistles just because they were easy to basically get a to-do list out of um, those things that um, we're told to do um, through those were just so easy to to pick out and without having to really digest the verses to get an interpretation. And so I wouldn't really like dive into the Old Testament prophets or any of those just because I was, I was dubious that I could get anything practical out of them. Mm-hmm. Um, but lately I've been seeing those Psalms, those prophets have so much knowledge in them because they are profitable for teaching and reproof. And so I think it's a great question of how to actually get practical applications out of that. And I think it just goes back to um, what we dwell on. I would just encourage the person who's struggling with this um, just to not focus and go into a quiet time trying to get practical applications out of them, but instead to focus on um, those things that stick out to them, those things that really hit them in the heart, mm. and just to dwell on those things. Because um, mm-hmm. ultimately our actions flow out of um, our hearts. Mm-hmm. Um, we see in Romans 8 that those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on the things of the flesh, mm-hmm. but those who live according to the Spirit have their minds set on the things of the Spirit. Mm-hmm. Um, so in the same way, um, if you want to live a life in the spirit um just set your minds in the things of the spirit mm. um so those things that um that pop out to you just dwell on those things and your actions will flow out of them subconsciously and then on the flip side of that um if you're dwelling on things that aren't aren't godly that aren't of the spirit your actions are going actions are going to flow out of those as well i was talking to some guys during our small group this past week about listening to, to secular music and um just this rap and explicit rap and stuff like that. Um, and I'm not saying those things are bad whatsoever. Um, cause I do listen to secular music. Sorry, I'm a sinner. Um, <laughs> but all I have to say that if you're not careful about the things that you're, you're listening to, even in the background, mm-hmm. um, those things can affect your mentality and those things are going to come out throughout your, uh, throughout your speech. And it says in Romans as well, the, the tongue speaks, as an overflow of the heart. Mm-hmm. Um, and so those things that you're, you're dwelling on are, are going to make their way to your heart and then overflow in your interactions with the people around you. Yeah. So in a nutshell, just for that that person who's struggling to get things out of a passage, just dwell on that passage um, and don't seek to get practical applications out of them. Have mm-hmm. it affect your heart and that'll in the long term affect your actions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I can see this just in my own personal life when like the days or weeks that I'm really diligent about reading my Bible, even if I'm not even thinking about like, how can I apply this? Like actively every single time I read my Bible, I find that I'm a lot more enjoyable to be around. I'm a lot more patient with people. I have a lot more grace. Um, and my days just seem to be a little bit better, or at least my like spirit is more at peace within me than the days and weeks that I am not consistently in my Bible. And I think that that goes back to literally what you just said of focusing on the things of scripture that really delight your heart in Christ. Um, And even just the simple practice of being in the word consistently 
in and of itself helps shape your actions if you are coming to it with an honest and sincere heart. Yeah, for sure. Um, and it goes back to like specific examples of studying like the Old Testament. Um, for instance, like the the Psalms, the Proverbs. Those, uh, like as we see in the Scripture, those um, those books are still so profitable um, for us to study. Um, and so instead of looking at specific um, verses and really digging into the nitty gritty like we can do with Romans um, in those more dense um, those more dense books, um, kind of just look at the overall theme in those mm. um, those proverbs and those psalms um, and just see what the Lord is showing you throughout like the big picture of that. Mm-hmm. Um, so you may not get anything out of David complaining about <laughs> the Israelites or about any of the things he's dealing with in his specific life, but overall, um, we can really see how, for instance, how he just praises God in the midst mm-hmm. of tri- trials and tribulations. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we can really just apply it to our own lives of how we can, um, we can respond joyfully when those tribulations happen in our own, our own lives. Yeah. Yeah, definitely to kind of expand on that thought, the tough passages in scripture, especially the ones that were like, I don't, I don't understand this. Um, it goes back to the interpretation stage of when you can understand what you're reading, you can apply those main points um, and the underlying message of those passages to your life. So you might not, um, you know, need to necessarily pay attention to all of the specific details because this is ancient Israel that we're talking about. Um, but it still applies. So like even the historical books, when you're just reading the account of the history of Israel and what they went through, Israel had different ways of dealing with things. Um, but the underlying principles are still the same. Like Israel still sinned just like we still sin today. So just like you said, finding those main points about what God is communicating to his people, um, is a great way to apply tough, passages that you don't really feel apply to you can actually like actually apply to your life. I also think that finding an accountability partner is so, so vital um, in the exercise stage of abide because especially when you are trying to fight temptations or get out of a cycle of sin that you find yourself trapped in, um, the best way to fight that is obviously to run to Christ, to run to your Bible and to run to scripture and to just soak in the truths of scripture, but also to find someone who you know and love and trust and have them keep you accountable for the things that you are working on in your life. Yeah, absolutely. Um, just for like a, an analogy in my own life, like for the longest time I didn't want to go to the gym cause I didn't have anybody to motivate me. <laughs> But uh, recently, I've had a couple um, of the guy leaders, uh, and we've just gone to the gym, and we've made it every single day, even though it's 8 o'clock in the morning. Um, we've just done it together because um, we're encouraging one another and keeping each other accountable. And so in the same way, mm-hmm. um, just like we're getting physically stronger, having an account- accountability partner um, helps us get spiritually stronger. Um, and so in those moments of weakness, mm-hmm. in those moments of, of shame, um, those people around us can hold us and... Um, just remind us of the truths of the gospel um, when we really don't want to. Um, mm. <laughs> when we really don't want to remind ourselves that what we're doing is wrong. 
<laughs> Pretty much. Yes. <laughs> um, Jesus brought up y'all's <laughs> y'all's ed- gym adventures as well. So you're part of the boys. That's boys with a Z. Whatever. <laughs> well, Micah, is there anything else that you want to share about the importance of exercising your faith? Um, I think just one thing I would add real quick. Um, it's just that exercise um, may seem like a drag sometimes and it may seem like you're not making progress. Mm. Um, but just trust in the Lord and his process and his promises mm. um, and that he's going to be faithful um, to sanctify you. Um, and by that, I just mean make you more like him. I think that's such an important point to make. And I'm really glad that you said that because I think it's really easy for people especially girls. I don't know about guys, but like girls do this a lot. Um, they can see their lack of progress and think that they're not getting anywhere and be so frustrated and then start to beat themselves up and be really, really hard on themselves when God's not even that hard on us. You know, it's like we need to extend this God's grace to us as well. Yeah, for sure. Um, and in those moments when it seems like you're not making progress from day to day, um, just continue on. Cause it, as you look back, um, say even six months, maybe even a year, you'll definitely see, mm. um, the Lord's work in your own life and you can definitely see your own growth and in, in your spiritual faith. Um, I'm going to CS Lewis quote, um, talking about a person who, who fell asleep on a train and then woke up and they're in a completely different place. Um, and so you may not seem that, see that gen, uh, that gradual change, but mm-hmm. over time you'll see, um, how far you've really come. Yeah. That's a really good thing to do when you're in those moments and those seasons where you feel like you're not making any progress is to look back on your life and see where you started and where you are now. It's super encouraging. Awesome. Well, I think that is a lovely way to wrap up not just our discussion over the Abide Bible Reading Method, but also the Abide, the first season of the Abide podcast. Micah. Yeah. Thank you so much for having <laughs> me, Laura. How do you feel about wrapping up our very first season? I feel uh, humbled, but um, <laughs> honestly, the only reason why I'm last is because I put off actually doing this podcast. <laughs> so did. here I am. <laughs> he was getting ready for it like, what, like 15 minutes before we started? I would say five minutes before five we minutes started. Five minutes before I started. Well, thank you for taking the time out of your day to speak with me yeah, about absolutely. your faith and about exercising spiritually and physically. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for having me, Laura. Of course. I first met Micah three and a half years ago when he was a freshman, and it's been so amazing seeing the growth that he's had in his faith over those years. Well, guys, this is it. Thanks so much for sticking with me through this entire season. I'm so honored to be hosting this podcast and having y'all along for the journey has just been extra special. I'm so sad that this is our last episode, but I've really enjoyed this season and all of the conversations I've had with everyone who's been on from talking about what abiding in Christ is to how we can practically live out our faith. It has been a packed season, but I would say it's been a great first season. Now, there's going to be a new season every semester, so make sure to subscribe so that you will know when we start back up with season two coming out in early 2021. 
And with that, I will say farewell for now. I hope the rest of your 2020 looks up and goes smoothly. And I will see you guys in a few short months for season two.